Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it to 1 Samuel 17. We've titled all week, Come With Me to Another Level. And um, that's what God's doing right now. If you would put on the screen Habakkuk 3.19, we've had that as our theme all week. And as you heard Dr. Mike Smalley mention, Pastor Ryan has been uh, aggressive and kind enough to open the church for next week for meetings. So if you're anywhere in Texas or Oklahoma, North Louisiana, North Louisiana is closer than a lot of places in, in Texas are, that's for sure. How far is El Paso from here? No, nobody wants. You know it's far when people just don't even give you a number. They just go like this. <laughs> ten hours, yeah. So um, I want to invite you to come for week two. We're not doing ten a.m. services because I don't want to watch Tony and Clarita go see Jesus from singing five hours a day. So we're going to do seven p.m. only, and we're going to hit it hard with Holy Ghost services at night. So we've been doing. Come to another level with me, and in the morning, we've been doing practical. Very practical, which I was telling your pastor is difficult for me to do as somebody that was raised in Pentecost, where if somebody's not dancing or shouting, they're getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, you had a failure as a service. Pentecostals weren't much for teaching. But in the morning, I wanted to take these and give some things. I've never gotten as much response, received as much response from a uh, message as we did yesterday mornings. And if you weren't there, it's on YouTube for free. I talked about three voices you have to silence in your life if you're going to go to another level. We talked about who your board of directors is. Um, we talked about parasites, the Don Kings of ministry and business that offer you nothing. They can't box, so they put you in the ring and take all your money. And uh, you got you, you. One of the worst things we were taught as Christians growing up is to assume the best of everybody. Everybody's a good guy. You know, shame on you if you feel bad about anybody or, or have a bad feeling about somebody. Now you're supposed to walk around suspicious. But Jesus talked about how there's wolves, sheep, and wolves in sheep's clothing. And you can't turn a wolf into a sheep no matter how much you pray. There's a, um, the president of my Bible college when I was going to Bible school. His name's Dr. N. Benjamin Crandall. He pastored in Brooklyn. Then he became the president of the Bible school I attended. Zion Bible Institute uh, was the name of it at the time in Rhode Island. He would do a teaching for pastors on Christ being the great shepherd Shepherds being under shepherds, and then what Christ taught pastors. Everybody say wolves, sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. Now say that. Now, um, if you would put like a little inflection in your voice, because it sounds like a cult when everyone does it monotone like that. It's like at my church one Sunday. I said, "Everybody, everybody, stretch your hands forth." Everybody went like this. I went at a higher angle, please. In the current political climate, we don't need a crowd of a thousand people like this. So. Uh, Say wolves, wolves. Sheep, sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. Say so you can't turn a wolf into a sheep. You know, not everybody that's sent to your church is there for you to, to, to save. Some people are sent by the devil to destroy your church. And so uh, anybody see that Instagram I posted a couple days ago where I threw that lady out of church, just threw her straight out? I didn't care to pray for her or anything because I know that revelation. People say, why'd you throw her out? Because I felt like it's the first reason. Second reason... Was I'd just given a salvation altar call. Everybody was coming for, was there. We were getting ready to pray. And a lady from the back starts yelling, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to rebuke you. No, he wouldn't. Me and him are friends and you're nuts. 
So I didn't, I didn't pray for her. What's the problem? Say this with me. Never spend time explaining yourself to people committed to misunderstanding you. Yeah. You're going to waste a lot of time online. You know, not everyone's looking for an answer. One of the biggest mistakes people make, they think if they would explain themselves and everyone would understand their heart and no, I'm not really after people's money like you wrote. No, no, I'm not using jets um, with poor people's money. That's not true. You need to understand. You know, I also feed 2,000 children a day. No one cares. They're not looking. Wolves don't want an explanation from sheep. There's actually people sent. Well, I guess we're just going to add one to, the, to my notes that's not there. I'm, I'm giving you more voices to remove from your life. Number one, time wasters. One time I was preaching in uh, Montreal, Quebec, and uh, it was before we had really hit a breakthrough in our ministry. It was actually while we were hitting a breakthrough in our ministry because that meeting in Montreal went two weeks. Actually, on the Friday morning of the first week, we had a crowd probably, it was a smaller building, probably this little more than this size, maybe 200 plus. And out of that 200, I wasn't going to give a salvation altar call because it was a day, day service. Then I felt to. We had like 109 people come forward to receive Jesus Christ on the Friday morning in Montreal, the least church uh, region in all of North America. So we had, at night, we had people standing along the walls at the back. Well, the Friday night, we had a supernatural offering. I'm talking like for a week of meetings, I would have like $4,000 come in. Like $50,000 came in that night. That had never happened before. Well, I go home. I barely had anybody following me on Twitter, 100 and some followers. Barely anybody following me on Facebook, which I didn't mind because I was born in the 1980s when it was bad to have followers. If you had a follower, you called the police. This guy's following me. You didn't hear people bragging about how many followers they had. So I get home and with hardly any followers, this guy's writing in all caps on Facebook. You're a false prophet sent to deceive the church in the last days. You, all you care about is people's money. You talked about money for 35 minutes. So I got ready to do the Christian thing, which is defend myself. Everybody's a potential friend. If we could just sit down and talk. Let me ask you a question. How much time did Jesus spend explaining himself to the Pharisees and Sadducees? None. As soon as you realize that somebody is sent to waste your time and waste your energy and give you body blows and make you feel bad about yourself, you have to treat them differently because Jesus did. Because if you don't and you start letting what they say settle into your mind, then you notice if you watch Christian television, it'll affect people's preaching. There's people that used to have great ministries that their ministry is now just a defense of their ministry. Now I'm going to preach tonight out of Deuteronomy 28. You know, a lot of people criticize me and say that, yeah, they're in your head. The devil landed. Now instead of preaching, 95% of the crowd has never heard of you. They've never heard of the faith message. They've never heard of you. They're just listening to you. Now you're having a one-man debate with yourself and actually introducing what your critics say about you to your crowd. You know, it would be bad for me if I stood up and said, now a lot of people say I commit adultery in every town I preach in, but that's not true. Like, Why are people saying that then? So to start introducing what your critics say about you, because you're having this internal war, because you allowed people that were sent from the devil to influence how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your ministry or your business, that's bad. You can't even preach. You have these, this invisible voice that the devil put there. All you talk about, 
All you talk about is money. You don't really care about people. No, I actually do. And uh, many of you have seen that I use a plane, but I want you to know, no, it ruins your ministry. And so this guy writes, I get home, I'm happy as a lark. And I sit home and turn on uh, my computer, and there's all these comments, making all these accusations about me. Uh, You're a a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, I've learned since then. Any time, particularly in the area of money, and this will happen for you in business too, the devil, say this, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon, if you study it, and uh, Robert Morris at Gateway did a whole serve. Is it Robert Morris? What's the cigarette company? Philip Morris. Okay, as long as I got the right Morris. Honestly, I forgot. I don't want to be promoting a, a cigarette CEO. Sorry. So uh, Robert, Robert Morris did a series on this on, on Sunday mornings. By the way, whoever spit out that that quick, we'll pray for you for nicotine deliverance for the end of the... Who's the cigarette? Philip Morris. He's a good guy. He sent me a personal thank you letter for all the purchases I've made. He talked about, he talked about how mammon, and did the, did the Baptist Bible study on it, how mammon's a Syrian God that was over money. You know, when money, when you break through in this area, the devil flares up. Because one of the things Satan said to God in Luke chapter 4 when he tempted him is the wealth and kingdoms of this world are mine to, get, to give to whomever I choose, for they have been delivered unto me. Jesus didn't say, you're a liar. At that time, that was a true statement. Because Adam was given the wealth of this world. Then when he obeyed the devil, the Bible says in Romans 6.16, whoever you obey becomes your master. And he transferred that dominion over this earth to the devil. Then Christ, the second Adam, came and broke that dominion, took the keys from him. And so through Christ, we don't have to bow to the world. I can get plenty of funding for everything I'm doing without posting any rainbow flag on my profile or meeting any ESG protocols because my funding comes from the open windows of heaven. But if you, you're either going to do it that way or you have to bow your knee to a God called mammon. I'm going to tell you, anytime you hit a financial breakthrough and change levels in the financial realm, you're going to see a manifestation of that spirit. How many of you saw me get kicked out of the state of South Carolina when I was preaching? You know, the day before, people say, what was that about? Whatever the reason was in the physical, I know what happened. That woman drove from two states away, dropped off $320,000 the night before, and the next day, the board met with the pastor and wanted to cancel the meetings. They didn't even know I had received any money. That was the devil saying, if we let this kid stay here, he's going to get that church paid off and built in less than a year. Let's put a stop to it. But guess what? You can't curse who God is blessed. That birth spider-thon, and $1.4 million later, after 10 days, we were still sailing upwards. So I'm not just making you aware of roadblocks. I'm telling you the Lord's anointing you to break through every barrier, cross every line, and possess your possession in Jesus' name. If you receive that, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So the first voice to remove, everybody say time wasters. Well, I start defending myself to that guy. I get ready to type, and as clear as day, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Check how many followers he has. I looked, two. You have an anointing to repel people. And the two were probably his mother and then like a fake account he made to follow himself, like I did with Real Talk John. Amen. So when I don't have anybody to argue with, I can argue with myself. 
So the Lord said, what are you going to do spending time talking to this guy with two followers? And then the Lord directed my attention. There's Camila, who at the time was little, and then Adalas is sitting with her. So you're going to take 45 minutes and go back and forth with this guy. Then it affects your mood. You get in an argument with somebody online. You're tense. You're, what would you like? Your wife says, what would you like to drink, sweetheart? Nothing right now. And you're speaking to her in the same tone of voice you have in your heart for this guy. So the Lord said, this is what the Lord said to me. If you're going to let somebody like this affect you, then I'm going to keep you and your ministry small for your own sake and the sake of your family. Because say, that, say this out loud. God can only promote me to the level of criticism I can handle. If you have one stray Facebook comment that puts you in a tizzy for nine days, do you hear that? You, you know, you see what my cousin wrote online? You know, she wrote it generally, but you knew she was talking about me, right? Like, like here, read it. You can tell she means me, right? She's talking about our church. Why would she write that? I've never been anything but nicer. If the devil can just have one <laughs> dummy put something on Facebook and you start, it affects you for a week then God's going to keep your business small and your ministry small because you're his child and he loves you and he doesn't want to see you in a mental institution. Going like this. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> ministry, ministry, ministry. I know you're laughing, but it's true. So the Lord said, so then you, you decide how you're going to handle it. If every time somebody writes something nasty about you, it's going to take two, two hours of your life away from your wife and affect your mood for five hours. Then I'm going to see to it that nobody watches you for your own sake and so it doesn't wreck your marriage. So I said, all right, Lord, I got it. And uh, I didn't respond, blocked him, and kept moving. And, and then I've learned it took time to not let it affect my comments. If you've been noticing me preaching the last few months, you've heard, heard me get ready to say, now, some people, and I say, no, you know what? I'm not even going to qualify what I'm saying. Just preach it like no one's heard it before. I'm not going to respond to invisible critics and things I've heard in my head. I'm preaching to people like if you watch that Pittsburgh meeting, they don't know anything about Kenneth Hagin. They don't know anything about um, David Jeremiah. Or who, who's the guy in Southern California that's reformed that doesn't like a faith message? John MacArthur. So why, why start telling people stuff they've never heard? Just preach the Bible to them like nobody's ever heard it before. And if they want to check in and hear what somebody that opposes you says, knock yourself out. But this is what I believe, and this is what I teach, and this is what the Bible says. Amen. So number one, don't let your time be occupied by time wasters. Now, critics are time wasters. Some people are time wasters. When I told you about, um, let me throw this in too while I'm rolling. There was an older pastor. I spent a lot of time preaching for him. It was an eight-week meeting, and he took time with me. He was 80 years old, and one thing he told me, he said, be careful when you get done preaching. The devil never wants you to leave a service happy. Now, I know I'm using a lot of ministry examples because I'm in the ministry, but this will work for business too. That Basically, the devil doesn't want you to be happy, period. So you'll finish preaching. A bunch of people get saved. Somebody gets healed. And you come off the platform, and there's some hunched-over person that looks like the third guy from the left on the evolution chart. Um, 
I invited my sister today to be healed, and she couldn't sit long, and she left kind of mad. She's in the parking lot and wants to know if she can talk to you. And so you go. She argues with you a little. And all that good feeling and joy that came from that service, the devil used some chump to wipe it away from you where you're driving away thinking about what went wrong. I, um, I can't remember where I was preaching. It was at my church, but it was, it was uh, on a Sunday morning. And an usher came up to me after as I'm walking off the stage and said, you know, this person came here and then they were causing trouble in the parking lot. I said, I don't want to hear this right now. Keep it from me. I want you to write this in your notes. I must have a gatekeeping system. If everybody has your cell phone and your personal email, you're headed to a mental institution. You can't allow the devil. Now we're talking about in-person comments. You can't allow people to get you stray comments on your phone and email. There needs to be a gatekeeping system. I've had people come up to me before. Hey, I want to apologize. You probably saw that email I sent to your ministry about three years ago. I said, no, never saw it. Because people don't have my personal email. And even if you did, I could show it to you. There's like 54,000 unread messages. I don't use email. So I'm sorry for what I wrote. I never saw it. I don't have things that are going to hurt. I guess basically the theme of right now is you don't have to respond to everything. You should actually be careful what you do respond to. Just because most churches, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Whoever makes the most noise, the Johnson family's upset about how loud worship is. Then tell them to sit further from the speakers. Can you say amen? You don't adjust everything by who's making the most noise. You do what's right. Turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts, the sixth chapter. This is the second way that Satan tried to derail the growth of the early church. Acts 6, 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, everybody say rapidly multiplied. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers, so look what happens. What happens when you start multiplying? Rumblings of discontent. You have people, if you have a business and you have employees, you have employees working for you right now that are happier at the level that you're at. And as you grow, there's more work. So they would actually rather your business stay smaller so they have less work to do and they'll flare up. Rumblings of discontent. Watch those people. Watch who celebrates your advancement and who gets upset about your advancement. So, you know, phones have been ringing off the hook today and they're upset about it. They're sales calls that pay their salary. But many people that, that are employed, they don't understand the overarching thing of business. They just think there's magic salary money that goes in their pocket. Sometimes when I walk through the mall, I get mad on behalf of business owners. You walk by a store, there's one employee there sitting on a stool on their cell phone. It's a sales job. They don't know, looking up. If you walk in, they say, just so you know, we close at nine. I know it's six in the afternoon. That's in three hours. Now, somebody has their house mortgaged or some, some asset leveraged to get a loan to, to put that business up that their life's on the line and the person they hired doesn't give two poos about them or their money. I'm going to tell you, so write this down. Delegate, but supervise. You hear a lot of people teach you about delegation. You should delegate. Yes, 
And Moses delegated to Aaron the responsibility of watching over Israel as he went to the mountain to talk with God. And in a handful of days, they're worshiping a golden calf. So don't just delegate. Delegate and keep an eye on people. As When the cat's away, the mice will play is not a scripture, but it's in scripture. When Moses is away, Aaron and the children of Israel will play. When the cat's away, the mice will play. You've got to keep an eye on people. Now, if you watch Chick-fil-A, there's a business principle that God gave the owner, Truett Cathy, that's the reason why Chick-fil-A is a vastly different fast food experience than other fast food restaurants. If you own, let's say me and Pastor Ryan decide to pull our money and open, and again, this is ridiculous. I'm going to get a letter. I own a Burger King. Can you please take it easy on Burger King? First of all, step it up at Burger King. <laughs> me and Pastor Ryan buy a Burger King, and we're older now. So we moved to West Palm Beach and uh, with our wives. You know, we're not talking about backslidden again, a, a condo together and a to- Tommy Bahama button-up. We go move down to West Palm Beach and retire to play golf in the afternoon, and we own a Burger King in Rowlett. We don't have to be there. And if you go to most Burger Kings, you can tell the owner's not there. Half the people aren't in uniform. It looks like the violent offender's wing at cell block D. People are just walking around in white tank tops and and necklaces. When you go to Chick-fil-A, do you know Chick-fil-A has a policy? If you own a Chick-fil-A, you as the owner have to work there 40 hours a week. And when you go to Chick-fil-A, it feels like the owner is there. Everybody's in uniform. Everybody's yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They're so kind, it's actually off-putting if you're from the Northeast like me. Hello, welcome to Chick-fil-A. Hey, pump the brakes, all right? You're creeping me out. <laughs> I'm just here to get some food. Relax. This is not a fruit of the spirit test. So why? The owner is there. Now, as you grow your business, eventually it's going to require you hiring people. People will never care about your thing like you care about it. So as you delegate, you have to, I don't want to say ride herd on people, and you don't want people serving you out of fear, but they need to know that their work is getting a second pair of eyes on it. And if something's taking long, they need to hear about it. They need to know that there is a level of excellence that's expected at this ministry or at this business. And if you're not cutting it, then I don't care that you're my cousin's son or you, you went to prom with my daughter 30 years ago. I don't care. We are going to another level, and if you're not serious about coming with me, then that's fine. We thank you for your service. We'll give you an ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. Thanks for the memories. But you have to, if you're going to go to another level, you need to realize on this Friday, there's many people that are not interested in going to another level with you, and you're going to have to sort them out. And God will send you people that are ready to go to the next level with you. God has them waiting, but you have to make the first step. You're going to see those people come out of the woodwork, and they're going to be attracted to you in Jesus name if you believe it go ahead and do what you're already doing clap your hands to the Lord say it out loud I'm going to another level rumblings of discontent I keep a mark on people that have rumblings of discontent I've attended church for 42 years no pastor has ever heard something I'm upset about sounds too loud I'm not in charge of sound it's not my church I'm talking when I attended church. We've only had a church for a year and a half. I sat two-thirds of the way in the back, and that's the usher. You know, you know, I'm an evangelist with the Assemblies of God. Do they have special seating for people who have suits? 
No, just sat my butt down and listened. Nobody ever heard anything from me. Pastor Rodney, when I go to his meeting, sits me right on the front row. If he started sitting me in row 11, he'd never hear anything from me. If he never had me speak again, he never, it's his, his call. Do what you want. I don't, I don't, I didn't tell the children's department when my child went there, what I think they should be doing. And you heard, there were some questions yesterday. I go to a church. I don't agree with what they're doing with this. What should I do? You should pray for the pastor and keep your mouth shut. That's what you should, you know, you can tell that one over well, but I saved it for Friday because I'm leaving tomorrow anyway for a couple hours. Amen. Yeah, you should pray for the pastor and keep your freaking mouth shut. Since you don't like it regular, I threw in freaking. Amen. I'm doubling down. You should not be a problem. You know, in my experience as an evangelist, there's the pastor, back when they'd put the seats on the platform, they'd stand there. And I kind of made up my mind based on this. Sometimes they'd say, see that lady down on the fourth row? She's caused a lot of problems. You know, the fact that that's on the pastor's mind during praise and worship means you've caused a lot of problems. Then you'd also have the other. See that guy in the second row? That guy is a blessing. Do you know, he's probably led more people to the Lord in this church, and he's done this for my family. And I made up my mind in my early 20s. I want to be somebody, when the pastor looks down off the platform at me, he goes, thank you, Jesus, for Jonathan. He's been a blessing. I used to find out on Pastor Appreciation Sunday, I had a connection. I knew the guy that helped count the offering. When they would take the offering for the pastor on Pastor Appreciation Sunday, I'd ask him to tell me what it was, and then I'd write a check for slightly more than that. That way, I got the whole blessing that the whole congregation had to split amongst themselves. Amen. I did that selfishly, to be a blessing to my pastor, and obviously, the blessing stays with the giver. You should make up your mind. Remember what we said yesterday? God doesn't work through insurrection. I don't like what they're doing at the church. It's not your job to flip, flip it over from the bottom. This is a, the problem, and I like America. It's my favorite country. I don't have anything bad to say about it. But one problem that America introduces to churches is people in church mirror their government. So if you notice, the biggest churches in the world are countries that have dictatorial governments because they're used to listening to the leader, and that plays well in church. God didn't tell Moses to take a vote whether they're going to the promised land. Actually, when it went to that system where 10 were for it and two were, 10 were against it and two were for it, it messed a lot of things up. Write this letter to the pastor of the church of Laodicea. Write this letter to the pastor of the church of Philadelphia. Write this letter to the pastor of the church of Thyatira. God speaks to the leader. God never told Abraham, hey, Go get Sarah, and if you can get her to agree, leave your father's country, go to your native land. You have to lose that in America, because I've heard my whole life, a gal said, I heard from the Lord that we're supposed to do this, and his wife steps forward. And I told him, when the Lord tells me, then we'll go. No, God doesn't speak to people like you, because you're a jerk that doesn't understand biblical order. God doesn't speak to two leaders, he speaks to one leader. Can you say Amen. That doesn't mean you have to be some, some spineless, look at my wife, Adalis, armed to the teeth. Man, I could, I could put a video up of my wife during the beginning of COVID, May 2020. This lady confronted her at a Target for not wearing a mask, and Adalis started laying into her. My wife has a twin Puerto Rican sister, Magalis. They're identical. So Adalis starts laying into this lady. Then Magalis hears the twin Called to action. 
comes from one aisle over and joins Abdallah and starts telling You should have seen the fright in this woman's eyes. You start arguing with one person and they turn into two. She grabbed her car and just started going. And Adonis was yelling at him, Magalas was chasing her. That's right. Vamanos, If you know anything about Puerto Ricans, they only speak Spanish when they're upset. The rest of the time, it's English in a Spanish accent. Amen. Yeah. So if you think that makes you weak, Adonis is very strong. But she understands biblical order. So there's no, no, we're not doing that. I don't feel, no. It, she checks with me. Sometimes I can tell I didn't win her over, and she's just quiet. And, so, and a lot of times, she was right. And, I, and two months later, I say, no, I should have listened to you the first time. And she'll nod her head, but she'll never usurp me because it's biblical order. The church doesn't usurp Christ, and the, and the wife's not to usurp the husband. The husband is the head of the home. Yeah, well, in Texas, they still say amen. If I was in Vermont, we'd have 40 people leave right now and go to their Subaru Outback. in their jorts to go get Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But everybody say, thank God we're in Texas. Rumblings of discontent. I would make up my mind because you'll, you'll see a blessing in your life. I want to be somebody when the pastor looks down and says, I thank God for that guy. I thank God for that woman. Because think about it. There's only three types of people in church when the pastor looks down from the platform. I thank God for that guy. That lady's driving me nuts. Or that guy's driving me nuts. And then just NPCs. They don't notice if you're gone for three weeks. They don't notice if, if, if you don't contribute. You're there, but you're just there. And that's the thing that's been sold to the body of Christ in America that's kind of hampered things up until now. Because they made the goal attendance. Attendance at church is not you serving God. Attending church is God serving you. The pastor's waited on the Lord. If you have a good one like you have here, he's waited on the Lord. He's delivering the food of God's word to enrich your spirit. You're not doing anything. You're receiving. Serving God is taking practical action to build the kingdom of God in your generation. Much, oh, go ahead and clap your hands. That's great. That's why we have about a 40% volunteer rate at our church. Our church has about 720 people, I'd say average attendance, 750, and we have about 400 people who volunteer. That number should be at the high end, 70 people, according to statistics. We've never had to make an announcement, we need people to help watch the kids or anything. There's a rotation, because we don't teach that Christianity is being faithful to church. That's the least. Christianity is finding a place to get involved to build the kingdom of God. That's what these morning meetings are about. You're building of your business. You know, you hear people, I'm thinking about retiring because I just want to serve God. You can serve God through your business. Let's say that this church hits a full-scale revival. Let's say these two weeks really kick something off. And before long, Sundays are average 600, then average 800, then average 1,200, and you can't fit them here. Wouldn't it be great if when Pastor Ryan says we're looking at new property to build a new building, to go up to him after church and say, no offering required. 
Tell me how many million it is, and I'll write you a check out of one of our business accounts to build the church of the Lord. Do you know why I'm preaching this today? Because if you'll get that in your heart, God will get it in your hand. I said, if you get it in your heart, God will put it in your hand. There's going to be people that hit that level at this place and watch it online in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Well, say it so the devil can hear you. I'm going to another level. Rumblings of discontent. You'll have opportunity to do that in life. Don't do it. You know, even when that church kicked me out in South Carolina a few months ago, people said, what would you say to the pastor? I didn't say anything. What would you say to the church? Nothing. Not causing him a problem. Even when someone's wrong, it's a mistake to lay your hand on somebody else's ministry. So it's between him and the Lord. I didn't come out any worse for it. It's actually one of the best things that's ever happened to me. My Uncle Ted called me and said, the gift of faith is often activated in times of crisis or opposition. That's exactly what happened. I drove out of that meeting, and the gift of faith came on me. I'm going to go online, and what the devil meant for, to be my worst financial week, I'm going to stick it in his face. That's exactly what happened. That birthed that million-dollar seed to Pastor Rodney, which birthed a windfall of money into our ministry in the, in the millions coming in different level. From the time I sowed that million-dollar seed, it's been complete. Forget the lady coming up and dropping off a million-dollar check six weeks later. I was in a steakhouse in downtown Dallas, and a guy walked across. Been watching you on TV, believing what you're doing, and with tears in his eyes, gave me a check for 100000 while I was eating lunch. So you know, apparently you're against me and for the church not being built, but that's fine. I feel like I'm giving this testimony to Kingdom Hall Jehovah's Witness. You know, so it's not about working offerings. Giving puts a grace on your life that attracts goodness and mercy. You're going to see an increase of that grace on your life from today on this Breakthrough Friday. Life will not go back to normal from today in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. No, people aren't going to hear rumblings of discontent from me. What do you think about what that guy did? I don't think about it. What do you think about Benny Hinn? I go months for think, without thinking about Benny Hinn. I'm not sitting home thinking about other people's ministries. I got my own fish to fry. Can you say amen? Yeah. So concern yourself with your own thing. You won't have enough energy to get involved in other people's things. But there were rumblings of discontent. How did Peter deal with it? Everybody say time wasters. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should, not spe should spend our time teaching the word, not running a food program. Where apparently a lot of pastors have made the decision to do the opposite, run a food program and not teach the word. During COVID, church will be closed on Sunday, but if you need food, it's open Monday. So it's okay for a crowd to gather to get fed physically, but not spiritually. That'll show you the power of the word of God. The government made churches close for Sunday morning, but you were allowed to have a bigger crowd gather to get food or get vaccinated. It's the same crowd in the same building. What's the difference? The difference is one has power to transform positively and one doesn't trouble the devil at all. Nothing wrong with feeding people. We feed a lot of people. Nothing wrong with passing out socks. 
Nothing wrong with painting houses. But none of that is a substitute for the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So that we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God. I want all the ministers to write in your notes. Basically, a minister's job is to teach the Word of God. And anything that doesn't involve that is usually going to be a time waster. Preparing to teach and teaching, and that's it. Or preaching. You can write ministering the Word of God. Because you can teach it or preach it. You can do both in the same service. And if it's not that, it's usually a distraction. I had a friend uh, of mine in the ministry who was friends with John Osteen, Joel's father. And uh, he would go see him once a month to have lunch. And he said, I was sitting in his office with him. This was after Lakewood had grown very large. And he said his head administrator came and said, Pastor John, I need you to do this at 1 o'clock. And then at 2 o'clock, this needs signed. At 3 o'clock, you have this meeting. And he said, John slowly looked up from his desk and said, all I need to do is preach on Sunday. Remember that. In other words, you do it. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I want to sit in my office and study and get ready to preach. And then, you know, and I know this isn't a minister's conference, but this will help you. And I think people thought I just would say this stuff because I'm an evangelist. But now I've been able to prove my theories in less than two years. Because I said if I was a pastor, I would do all my counseling from the pulpit. John, you know who I got that from? John Osteen. He said, anything you need to hear from me, you can hear from the pulpit. I think people think if they could go out to IHOP with you after the service, it's like you're saving your best material to tell people over pancakes. You're not. This is all I got. I give, I give the best in the service. You know, I've met with, I think, in a year and a half, I think I've met with five people that wanted to talk to me privately, and four are no longer at the church. So once people are making up their mind, they're leaving. Pastor Rodney told me many times people want to argue with God, but he's not available, so they choose you instead since you work for him. And apparently Jesus agreed, which is why he said, blessed are you that are persecuted for my sake. If you take, it's, it's not you they're mad at, they're mad at me, so they yell at you, and because they'd actually like to yell at me, I'll bless you for taking my yelling. Now the five people I met with didn't yell at me, but I just have a question. What do you have a question about? I just didn't understand. There's no chance you didn't understand something I said. Whether you like me or hate me, no one can accuse me of being unclear. Hey, when Brother Jonathan said to shut our freaking mouths, what do you think he really meant? What do you think he was really trying to say? No. You might not like what, I, but no one can be confused about anything I'm saying. So what happens when they want to meet with you? It's, uh, you know, I, they understood what you said. But they want to argue with what you said. They can't argue with the Holy Ghost. So, you know, I heard you say that um, this, this, and this. But don't you think? No, I don't think. I think what I said. So they're wrestling. You're not going to keep people coming to your church by meeting with them. Coming to a place is spiritual. Can you say amen? Once people make up their mind to leave, they're leaving. I I was in the office one time a few months ago, and they were talking about these four people that left in two weeks. And they said, uh, let's send somebody to go talk to them. And just, I said, don't send anybody to talk to them. There's nothing to talk about. They weren't assaulted and we need to apologize. And I should beat them over the head. They just left. They're free to leave. And they're free to leave without cursing them. This is not a cult. They're free. This is America. This is not Pakistan. We don't stone people to death for leaving our church. Or do the Christian equivalent. Just so you know, you're going to see that your blessing came from this house. When you leave, you're going to find, No. 
Take it easy, David Koresh. You don't get people to go to church by manipulating them. Can you say? Or, or, or having veiled spiritual threats. And you just remember that business was built by you tithing here. You go out of here, you're going to find out what actually built. No, 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 no. Bless them. And even if all that stuff's true, they'll figure it out. Do you really want somebody going to your church because they're afraid that, that, that you're going to curse them? I've been to churches like that. It feels like it. Everybody's sitting there like this. Pastor says, lift your hands. Everybody pees themselves a little. God doesn't control by fear. God doesn't control at all. He sets before you life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. I told my staff, I said, all the energy you were going to expend sending people to go talk to those four people, send the people that were going to visit the mountain instead to hold outreaches and get 35 more people for this Sunday. And if we're losing four and picking up 35, that's a net of 31 and that's a gainer. Not that it's not that I, 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 I'd love to have those four people back, but I can't make them. I can't make people go to my church. I don't want to make people go to my church. If they find another church and they're happy, I'm happy. We actually don't have a building right now that can seat 1.3 million people in the Pittsburgh area. So I actually need other churches to grow, to fulfill the Great Commission. I want the people that find a home at our church, and instead of expect... Now, you're going to see this. This is Act 6. This is the secret to going to another level. The energy, if some of you that are here would spend the same energy you spend putting out fires, so to speak, or dealing with rumblings of discontent, if you spend a tenth of that energy on things that produce people, clients, money, you would already be at the $10 million level or have a business that's a regional business. But the same way the devil tried to shut down the church in Acts 6 by making rumblings, same way he tried to shut me down in Montreal. You're a false prophet. No, I'm not. I'm actually a good guy. Period. Send. No, you're not. You're a devil. All you talk about, no, I'm telling you, if you would get to know me, I'm sure we could be friends. Smiley face emoji. Give me a second chance. No, you're blankety blank blank. No, if you'd listen to the whole message. And you're going to go back and forth with a guy that's got a wolf with green eyes as their profile picture. That their screen name Satan Lover 666. You know, maybe they've already made up their mind. Maybe they weren't listening to you with an unbiased mind. Can you say amen? And then think of this. Not only could you have been spending time with your wife and daughter, you could be spending time praying for people that are partners with your ministry. Let me ask you a question. When the rich young ruler told Jesus that he wouldn't sell everything he had and went away, how much time did Jesus spend trying to convince him? You know, maybe I was a little strong. I didn't mean you have to do it like right now. Maybe like over time, sell everything you own. The Bible says Jesus watched him go. Jesus did not spend the, any time with people that were committed to misunderstanding him. He didn't spend the bulk of his time with the crowds. He spent the time with the disciples. Then out of the disciples, he had how many? How many did he spend the most time with? Three. And he spent his time with the people that were getting it the most. That's a principle even for preaching. Instead of trying to get the guy sitting in the back with his arms crossed to uncross his arms, focus on the people that are sitting forward on their seat receiving the word. 
Can you say amen? That's how you have a move of God. That's what Paul did in Acts 14. Paul noticed a man who had been crippled in his feet. He had been that way from birth. Paul noticed him and realized he had faith to be healed. He wasn't noticing who had unbelief. He was noticing who had faith. It's a trap of the devil to expend energy with the rumblings of discontent. The way forward is to see who God's sending you. That's t- Okay, I've given bad examples. Let me give a good example. I had a barber, as you can see, it's been a while, but I had a barber. There was a guy I would preach for in Long Island. He was the funniest guy. He was the most sarcastic person. If you think I'm sarcastic. <laughs> he, would, he walked up to this guy who had bushy hair. He went, sorry to hear your barber died. <laughs> so I, I was going to get my hair cut at, at this guy. Actually, my friend was going to cut my hair. And the Lord worked this out. It was amazing. This was during the 21 days of fasting and prayer, last, uh, not this January, the last January. So I go, I go in there, and I said, where's Aaron? That's the guy that normally cut my hair. They said, he's not in today. Well, I'd already driven all the way to downtown Pittsburgh. So this guy that I met the last time that was Aaron's trainee, his name's Chuck. He's a former Marine. He actually, Donnie Brasco, the crime family in Philadelphia, infiltrated the mob. He had some cool stories. He said, you know, when you go to those mafia clubs, which I don't know because I've never been invited to one, and also my Pentecostal upbringing makes me feel conflicted about going. (laughs) But he said, when you go into those clubs and sit down and two women come up to you and start hugging you and welcoming you to the club, he said, they're actually patting you down for weapons and then go back and tell the guy where your weapons are at. So I just wanted to give you that as an extra bonus tip (laughs) about going to the next level. I know that's very useful information in this full gospel church. So, uh, so there's one guy online. You mean they don't actually love you? No, they're patting you down for weapons. So he's sitting there telling me those stories, and he starts crying. This is a Marine who was an undercover cop in Philadelphia who starts crying. So I'm like, what's up? He goes, uh, you're not going to believe this. He said, um, I had a dream about you last night, and in the dream you were telling me about Jesus. And now you came in and sat in my chair for me to cut your hair. He said, you probably think I'm crazy. I said, no, I kind of do this for a living. People think I'm crazy. And so I led him to the Lord, and he said he'd be at church, and he was. And then his live-in girlfriend would not come to church. Then she did. Then she got saved. Then they wanted to get married. They're one of the few weddings I did. I did their, their wedding, met their family. Chuck got involved. He didn't just start coming to church. He got involved in our veterans brigade. That guy is bringing people. There's some Sundays where he has a row of people, Marines, veterans that he met during the week at the VA hospital. This is going to sound like a made-up preacher example, but it's actually true. He, He went to court because the city wanted to hear the work he was doing with the church for the veterans. When he got done telling his testimony... And what he's seen God do, I mean, talking like that in the Pittsburgh federal court, the judge said, I need time to figure out a way to do it legally, but I'm going to find a way to legally send people to your church on court appointment that are in trouble, that are veterans. So what if the time I spent with Chuck, I instead spent arguing with somebody online with a wolf profile picture? Why spend time? The sower sows the seed. 
Satan comes at once to take the one. The other one goes down very shallowly and doesn't produce anything. The other uh, uh, goes down and hits its mark. But then there's a fourth group that they produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. So there's actually people in your meetings that the ones to invest in, they're going to produce. Chuck is producing 30 fold, 60 fold right now. He'll hit 100 fold. Why spend time with is that a demon or a weed whacker? <laughs> Just checking. I heard hissing outside the door. I wanted to meet it head on. Good job, guys. Give these two guys that helped a Pollock out that would have never been able to figure that out in like six months. What if I spent time chasing the rumblings of discontent instead of guys like Chuck? Jesus found the people that were going to produce a hundredfold. You know, I have a couple of my Sunday school teachers that come to my church from when I was a kid. Do you, if you could see the beaming smiles on their faces, do you know why? I know why, even though I've never asked them. They, the devil probably convinced them. You spent all that time teaching Sunday school. Those kids were throwing candies at each other, stealing each other's Nilla wafers. Never somebody's got church has a tribulation supply of Nilla wafers. We can't get our children's ministry to grow. Maybe you stop serving them cookies from 1984 that have expired since the Reagan administration. So their memories, I'm sure the devil has in their mind all the people throwing cookies, people they had to send out of class for talking too much, and then now they sit. And watch that large and growing church in Pittsburgh and sit there and think, whoever else isn't doing anything with what I taught, I taught him. And he took what I gave him and is running with it. And I want to tell you today, don't let the devil get you focused on the churches that didn't work out, who didn't receive you, who was close to you and split. Focus like Paul did. When Paul wrote to Timothy, remember he said he listed the guys that caused him great harm. But he wasn't writing letters to them. He was focused on his son in the faith, Timothy, who was going to take the fire he had and use it to expand his ministry. Stop letting the devil get you focused on who doesn't like you. Start focusing on who God has attached to you. Invest in them, and you'll go to the next level in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Take another 30 seconds. Let it rip. Say the two words with me. Say time wasters. We're to be spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. A minister should be, spend his time teaching the word. A roofer should spend his time constructing roofs. If there's a bunch of stuff that's taking you out of doing that, then you're not going to make any money. I need to make sure all the toilet paper is restocked at our roofing company. Let's, that, you're not going to make money. That's maintenance. Your day as a leader has to be spent with things that produce, not maintenance. Older ministers weren't taught that. 
It was you and your secretary, and your goal, was, the, the week's task was to get the bulletins printed and make sure there was toilet paper in the restrooms. Everybody say maintenance. Do not get a maintenance-focused mind. That's what animals do. Make sure they're fed. Make sure they have a place to sleep. The productivity side that God gave us as people created in his image is for reaching out. I'll have older ministers, you know, come and tour our church. And as they're walking through the office, oh, where did you get those computers? We were thinking about upgrading our computer system. I don't know. What kind of cameras are you using for your live stream? No idea. That's not my job. My job's to study and preach. If you know, if you're a pastor and you know where the printers came from, there's a problem. Where are you able to get your toilet paper in bulk from? I don't know. I haven't even been in the church bathroom. I go at home. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom in church when I was little. I got yelled at one time. Left to go to the bathroom the first time ever. When I came back to my seat, my dad after the service was quiet. We're driving home. He goes, where'd you go? So I went to the restroom. He went, why don't you go at home? That's a good point, sir. He said, no, stay in the service. Amen. <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't been in too many church bathrooms. The few I went to made me not want to go anymore. You ever go to those of Assemblies of God churches that have those paper towels that are made out of like a cardboard substance and they don't take in any water? Went in with a runny nose, came out with a bloody nose. Thanks for the paper towel. Is it made out of oak? Why, how did the devil try to derail the church in Acts chapter 6? He didn't attack them demonically. He didn't give Peter cancer. He tried to get Peter to start initiating the administrative end of the ministry. Now, there's a catch-22 that people don't realize. Yeah, Jonathan, I believe you, but I don't have any help. But you don't realize the reason you don't have any help is twofold. Number one, because of your confession, I don't have any help. How about, well, yeah, but I don't. Try using your mouth for life instead of death. Try lifting your hands and calling those things that are not as though they are and saying, thank you, Lord, for sending help from all over to accomplish the task that you've given me to do. Your business is never going to grow saying, there's nobody to hire. Young people don't want to work. You'll never have any. Start thanking God for sending you people. You know, when this hiring thing happened after COVID where they said nobody wanted to work, we were at 14 employees. We're at 42 now. They came from everywhere. God will send you help. Abraham, that's on the front row. He just drove from Oklahoma to our church on felt, feeling led by the Spirit. And mid-sermon, his first Sunday, I said, I'm hiring you. And then I thought after I said it, I don't know if you're legally allowed to for, I don't know if conscripted labor is a thing anymore. It's not the 1600s. You're working for me. But then that's what he had in his heart to do. God will send you help, number one, if you line your confession up. Say out loud, thank you, Jesus, for sending me help. Say quality help. Say honest help. Say aggressive help. And then number two, if you do everything, no one's going to help you because no one likes working for someone as a graphic designer that the leader stands over their shoulder and goes, make that blue. Use that font. I had a pastor call me one time. He said, can you pray for me? I hurt my leg. I was like, I didn't hurt your leg preaching. 
He said, I was on a ladder painting and I fell off. I said, I'll pray for your leg if you promise me that's the last time you'll ever be on a ladder painting. No. He called you to preach, not paint. I know they both start with the, P, the, the letter P, but they're different. It's like my grandma. You ever have like an old grandma that didn't really understand ethnicities? I was dating this girl from uh, Portugal, and uh, I introduced her to my grandma. And my grandma goes, Portugal? I have a daughter that married a guy from Puerto Rico. But yes, they do both start with P, so you got that. Good attempt at building a bridge. The devil will make sure that you're surrounded by people that feed that, the bad thing. I like our pastor because he's not too big to take two loads of hefty bags to the dumpster himself. You're not an intelligent person. That's what you like about your pastor, that he takes the trash out? Tell you what, his doctrine's a mess, but he takes the trash out. So every anti-scriptural thing he says doesn't matter to me because he's not too big to take two trash bags to the dumpster. You should want a pastor that handles the word. You should be glad your pastor's not out taking the trash out, that he's in his office getting a fresh word for fresh grass for the sheep to feed on. Now, as arrogant as that sounds, do you know why that starts attracting help? Because there's actually people that would love to take the trash out at the church. My father-in-law runs our building maintenance. He's 78. Come on, 82? It's, it's amazing. It would it'd have been hard to believe he's 78. He's, he worked as a mechanic for the city his whole life. Big guy, big hands. I actually, the last time I was at the church on an office day, like, like what, two weeks ago, he had a big bag of trash with him. Now, I'm going to tell you, Adonis, help me out. If I, if I stripped him of that and he saw me taking the trash out, he'd be happy or devastated? Devastated. That's his thing. He enjoys beautifying the house of God. I bet you, I mean, just looking at the carpet here, I bet you there's some women here that they love to vacuum this carpet and get it ready for Sunday. It looks like it anyway. If you took that from them, you took their contribution. They love this. My father-in-law at 82. You sure he's 82? He has a big hefty bag. And he forgot he had it in his hand and went to walk in the building. And then went to walk in and, and, and remembered he had the bag. The dumpster was past where Pastor Jordan is. And with one hand, he went like this. And flung it right in the dumpster. Uh, good Lord. It's embarrassing to get outstrength by someone 40 years older than you. And he doesn't want to stop working. He loves it. So one reason people don't have help, you think you do everything because you don't have help, but you don't have help because you do everything. There would be people that would love to design. Stand up so everybody can see your shirt. This is a shirt from our ministry. It says Spiteathon 2023. It's me dressed as a pirate with my foot on the head of the devil. Did you know when we started, when we started doing Check the News, um, I gave away that T-shirt with Pastor Rodney's face on it. And he was not happy the first couple of days. And then the way we were doing it, we ordered a bunch of black T-shirts and had iron-on logos. And we thought maybe like 10 people would give or whatever. 
we were running like a Vietnamese Nike sweatshop in our office. It was actually hot in the offices because we were, we had like staff just full time pressing them, chained to the radiator, no bathroom breaks. So after three days, after three days, we get a call and they tell me, hey, there's this guy named Gerald. No, that's not you. He looks like him. He was here earlier this week, came down from New Jersey. There's this guy named Gerald who said he'd like to do the t-shirts if you'd like. Now, we were having to order them, iron on the logo, ship them. It was taking up everybody's time. So here, grab a mic, and when you want to pop in, you can, you, you, I, I like you. I'll be Johnny Carson. You be Ed McMahon. Go ahead. Well, with the thousands of t-shirts, it also like started uh, cramping up the office. So we just had boxes everywhere. Oh, yeah. We had a FedEx guy drop off like a lot of pounds of T-shirts, their own boxes. He had to keep dropping them off. One day he went, what are you guys doing in here? And when he said to me, I don't know. I'm running like a newsish program preaching T-shirt business. So then he calls, Gerald calls, and it must have been the Holy Ghost because, I mean, Gerald's not the most uncommon uh, uncommon name. And I said, I think I know who it is, even though I hadn't talked to this guy. I met him one time when I was 21, but they said he was from New Jersey. And I knew my mom's sister had a friend named Gerald in New Jersey that I thought ran a t-shirt. No, I didn't even know that. I said, is he from New Jersey? They said, yeah. I said, oh, I, know, I think I know who that guy is. So we talked. He said, I like check the news. I'll make all your t-shirts for you. Just send me the design and I'll ship them from my business to the people's house. And he's been doing that for, for three years, at least three years. God sent help. If you'll open up, it's actually a way to grow your ministry and grow your business. There's people that want to help. When David got kicked out of Saul's house, he went to, to a cave and 600 men who were disgruntled, in debt, and discontent came and found him at the cave and attached themselves to him and said, wherever you're going, we can, we see the anointing on your life. We see you're where the action's at. We see you're where God's hands move. We don't have anything to offer, but we want to get behind what you're doing. God will do that. Sometimes you have to be able to spot the treasure through the trash. Somebody looks like a rough guy, like they don't have anything to offer, but deep down there's a treasure in there. And when God puts his hand on them, they're going to be your right hand man. Discernment works both ways. Don't just discern devils, discern the spirit of God that's on people, and he's going to send you help today. I said he's going to send you help today. Help is on the way. Helpers of destiny are headed your way in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Ada, you still have the mic? Tell me, off what I've taught so far, what, add something to it, since you're more on the administration and with your sister. What's something I was talking about that kind of peaked that would be a nice thing to add in. Well, just on the basis of what you were saying momentarily, uh, like moments ago, uh, when it came to uh, trying to do everything hey, in house. Me. You're not horribly disfigured. <laughs> we went to a gym class yesterday and I'm feeling it. That's why I'm like, I just want to sit. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so... What was I saying? I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, right. On, on, on the heels of what you were saying, like when we did everything in-house, production went steadily 
on the decline because we had to pull people that weren't, you know, um, uh, normally ironing t-shirts to iron t-shirts. So it affected every area. We had the finance team ironing shirts and shipping them and putting labels on. Uh, we had media come and, and help us. So everything was like, everything stopped. Production stopped completely until that little thing was done away with. So what we thought was going to be like something that will benefit us and we can save money doing it, it actually cost us a lot more money. And so we have to break out of that cycle of thinking if I do it myself, because Jonathan had this mentality, not I, to throw oh you yeah. on the, under the bus, but he would always say from day one, we don't need a team. We don't you need can do everything. I and told I was her, like, I, I told her, that. she said, we, we need to start looking at office space. I said, we'll never need an office. I said, we can do whatever we're doing in our apartment. Anything I'm not doing, anything I don't know how to do, you can do. Anything you can't do, we can outsource. We'll never need an office. So wherever we are in the ministry, you know it wasn't my faith that made it happen. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Well, and by no, the way. I, just, I mean, about, about the, the, like, the... No, it's true. Words. I said it. Say this out loud. Despise not the day, not the day. of small beginnings. If you're listening to me talk and you've seen me post jet photos on Instagram, you say, it must be nice. Let me tell you, when we started, our computer was an iPhone 1 that we shared. We had no computer. We had one phone we shared, and that's what we did our office work on. Could not afford a MacBook Pro. Car was not registered for two years. 800, why are you laughing? I'm burying my heart. These people taunting my poverty. Most heartless people I've ever preached to. Go to this 800 square foot apartment and have that iPhone, and that's it. Two ministry. I don't have any partners. We had two. I wrote one letter to one. She wrote one letter to the other once a month. Hey, here's our update. Basically, nothing's happened since last time we wrote you. God bless in Jesus' name. So I want you to know that so that you, you know, because people think that. People think people never had a beginning. This young guy was talking to me and Pastor Rodney, and he was criticizing Benny Hinn. And, and uh, Pastor Rodney said, until you've done what Benny Hinn's done, you shouldn't criticize him. Like, well, do, well, do I get a jet like him? Do you think Benny Hinn came out of the womb with a plane? If he did, God bless his mother. Wait, Mrs. Hinn, you're not done. Out comes a Cessna. No. What does the Bible say? Naked, I came into this world. Everybody started naked. And then the difference in men is their decisions. Can you say? Amen. This has to be the joy of the Lord because I haven't said anything funny. Hey, stay up with me. Why abandon me? Man, my own wife's quitting on me. My wife joined a union. No. Let's go ahead. So, so it started pulling people off productive things. That, that was all. And then you said the office about we'll need an office space. And that's why I told him we didn't, we didn't even have that. I didn't believe we'd ever need one. So, so tell him. I totally forgot. I interrupted you. I know, but you do that and I forget where I was going. Um, Touche. Yes. So just, just that. Like, how, you, think, you think you could do everything, like, you know, yourself, but you're actually. Uh, In attempting to save money, you yeah. cost yourself money. Yeah. Say, say, uh, I won't have you say it because I'm still figuring out how to say it. <laughs> say this, trying to save money, to save money 
cost me something. Say this, vision brings me something. Now, we get five quotes. I'm not saying be reckless with your spending. But when your whole goal, not looking to step on any toes, if you're planning to spend two hours tomorrow clipping coupons, you don't know how to use time to generate money. Because I promise you, if you used your head, you could think of something else to do in that two hours that would generate more money than the coupons would save. When you get your mind focused on saving money, it cuts production. So save money. Get the best deals. Job out, uh, bid out jobs. Three bids, five bids, and get the best one. I'm not saying be reckless, but don't have your mind looking to save money. He's not Jehovah Bargoni, the God who gives good deals. That's why most people, their only testimony is savings. We're able to save money. We're able to... What about generating money? What about acquiring property? What about acquiring equipment and vehicles? Get your mind focused on the generation of wealth and the accomplishment of your vision. I'm going to tell you right now, if I got up every Sunday and talked about we're getting ready to pour the concrete for our church, it's going to cost $120,000 for the first phase. That doesn't... That doesn't expire people. People have their own bills to pay. But if I start talking, this church is going to be a place where destroyed marriages come and be made whole. Where children that are battling with their sexual identity come and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And look, it's just an example and people are clapping. Talking about budgets, this is from Jesse Duplantis. Talking about budgets costs you something. Talking about vision brings you something. And most people, if you have a chat with them, they start talking to you about expense. Or you have a crusade coming up. It's going to be $30,000. People, that's so over their head. They don't know anything about that. That's not how. How many times in 1 Kings 17 did Elijah talk to the widow about his ministry? Zero. How many times did he mention the dried up brook or dead ravens? None. Hey, just so you know, I used to have ravens bringing me food, and they're not, and I'm, I'm kind of like in a If you could, no, no, no. He talked to her about her. And when God talked to us about giving, he didn't say, I really need your help. I really overestimated how much gold streets were going to cost. I need everybody kicking in 10% of their income. Every time God spoke about the seed, he spoke about your harvest. He's not trying to raise money to keep heaven going. He's trying to get you to get your money invested in the most important cause on the planet, the salvation of men. And when you do, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that you're trying to get. I'll just add it unto you. One of the guests that we had in our plane on the way down, I invested in a new company that he told me about, one of our guests. And I was telling another pastor about it last night. He said, I think that guy's brother made the product that that company bought. So I find out the, the one guy was with tithed his whole life, and his brother decided to double tithe, 20%. And the Lord gave him this idea for a bullet with a tracer that the enemy, that the target can't see, but you can see it's a laser tracer, not a fire tracer. And it was bought, I think, it was a $100 million buy that, that he got from that idea from God. And, and, yeah, around $100 million. And it's owned by another company now that I invested in. But his brother was the one that got it. And his brother said, 
I used to tell my brother, it's not necessary to double tithe. And when that happened, his brother said, it's also not necessary for God to give you a $100 million contract. <laughs> you can't beat advancing the kingdom of God. When you put that first, all the other things are added unto you. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want to have you jump back in whenever you feel. You can cut me off. I'm going to finish the scripture. Thank you. Huh? No, no, stay with me. Wait, legs are hurting? No, it's fine. I like, I like having you. Then we apostles can spend our time. Okay, wait. Not running a food program. Acts 6 3. So, dear brothers, select seven men who are well respected. And that's another point you could make the, the place of credibility in your ministry or uh, business. One of the reasons I'm thankful for Rodney Howard Brown is it gave me credibility. When he had me preach on his stage, it became harder to dismiss me as a lunatic. It at least became, well, it can't be that crazy because Pastor Rodney trusts him to preach at his church. And I noticed I started to get different levels of invitations after he would have me speak because people thought, well, if, if Rodney can trust him, then I can trust him. And then that happens in business. You know, you get anybody that runs a sports agency tries to get one big name client because if you're a LeBron James agent, no one cares where you went to college. Nobody cares about any of the information in your business. All they need to know is the top guy chose you, so I choose you. Everybody say credibility. All you need is one breakthrough in the realm of credibility, and it'll take everything you're doing to another level. Lift your hands all over this place. A breakthrough in the realm of credibility where somebody will smile on you that has no reason to smile on you, and it'll take you to another level. Receive that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Okay. Um, select men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time, here it is again, in prayer, in the teaching of the word. You don't see Peter running around doing funerals. You saw him caused to, but not doing them. You imagine showing up late to one of Peter's services? They're carrying a body out with a sheet over it. What happened? She died. How? how? Pastor killed her. Okay, I think I'm going to go down the street. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Tells who they chose. Verse 6. These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. Anybody have King James or New King James? I'm curious how it says it. Say the first part again. Then the word of God spread and the number of believers greatly increased or multiplied. So this is telling you about how to spread. your. These principles can be general too. When he made this step, to not get bogged down in the details that people are arguing over what portion of food they're getting. He said, don't ever bother me about this again. Put seven men in charge to oversee this. I'm to be given to prayer and the teaching of the word and the ministry of the word, which if you're in ministry, I've been around ministers my whole life. They're the busiest people you'll ever meet, and they can't tell you what they're doing. I'm saying that word for word from Dr. Lester Sumrall. He said, pastors are the busiest people you ever meet. 
And he said, 90% of them, when I ask them what they're busy doing, they can't, well, I got to go, um, we need toner for the printers. And I was going to go there and then I have, they're running around. That's why it's almost useless to teach on how you should work hard because in everybody's mind, they're working hard, but it's what, cause their day's occupied, but they're not doing things that advance their vision to the forward. They're running errands. They're picking things up. And obviously we're not born with servants, but if you, if you get people, if you work on your vision, as your vision expands, people are attracted to help you. I don't have help, and you won't because of your confession, and you don't allow the opportunity for help. I didn't stand over people's shoulders when they were ironing the T-shirts. Iron it straighter. That should look like, no, no, no. Make sure I'm fresh for the pulpit. You have to figure out in a sentence or two. What are you on the earth to do and what would you like to accomplish before you see Jesus? And then start organizing your day around that objective. And if it doesn't fall into that, it needs to get cut. Obviously, there's time to relax. That's important. That's an investment in your marriage. That's an investment with your child. You know, even the jet that we take, that's two extra days home a week. With this transportation secretary, five extra days home a week. 30% of flights canceled or whatever. People don't think right. So I, over the course of her life till she turns 18, I, I calculated it, it's about 1,000 extra days home. Because before, if I'm having a Sunday meeting, I leave Saturday morning to get there for sure. When I finish on Friday, Saturday is a travel day that I don't get home till Saturday night. So that's two days a week. Whereas it, when I preach here Sunday night, I leave Sunday at 5 p.m. I'm, I'll have lunch. I'll have church, lunch, home, just like a regular Sunday, and then come be here to preach by 7 o'clock. I could leave if I want Friday night and be home Friday night and be home with my family all day Saturday. This is when she's in school. And so people say, object's expensive. Not as expensive as a divorce is. There's the cost of the divorce. Then there's also... You, you're going to lose about 60 or 70% of your partners as, as much as people have even preached grace. You lose your wife, pe- people peace out on you. Thirdly, I don't feel like losing my wife. It took me 25 years to find her. I went on, uh, what's that website I went on? Not Christian Mingle, before the, the one, it was like the first one. E-Harmony. E-Harmony. I went on eHarmony.com with my cousin after Bible college because we're like, man, we couldn't find anybody in Bible college. I can't go scouting the church for people. That looks shady. <laughs> be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be. What's your number? <laughs> if you do that, your ministry's over. So I was thinking, how am I going to meet anybody? I can't go, go dating people in church. So me and my cousin go on eHarmony.com, fill out the free survey. Now, it's in their best interest business-wise to tell you you have a match. So I hit the thing, put it, put the stuff in. I wasn't even that specific. I like kept it open. Like I know I'm no prize, so you know, keep it open. You know, she doesn't have to be that. Just whatever, I'll work with it. This guy said, you're a mess. Yeah, well, what do you want? So 
we both hit enter on the thing. And you remember how long the computers took to load back then on the internet on AOL. Watched the TV show on the commercial break, went back to check, and I couldn't wait to see who they found. And it said, you have zero matches worldwide. Four billion women on the planet. You couldn't find me one lady in Sri Lanka? I have a washing machine. You won't have to go to the river to do your laundry anymore. I have a gas stove. I have saltines. I have food. And when that happened, I, th I thought, oh, man, it's over for me. So now that I got her, I ain't losing her. Amen. Because I wasn't exactly a pick of the litter. The website started smoking. We can't find anybody. There's nobody. Amen. So even with the plane, doesn't it cost a lot of money to take a plane? Yeah, but other things cost. What's the price? I, when I'm 78 years old, let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm going to be sitting on a porch somewhere saying, I wish I'd have saved that jet money and spent less time with my family? No chance. But I would sit there and think, I wish I had found a way. I pay attention when older people talk. Do you know how many older people told me? Cherish every moment you have with that girl. And I'm talking older anointed guys. So I thought, okay, I will. And then I started thinking if Jeffrey Epstein can have faith for a jet to molest children, I can have faith for a jet to preach the gospel. Can you say amen? And if the news wants to talk about it on an interview when our ministry grows bigger, I'd say I'd be happy to tell you about my jet. But first, can we please have the client list from Epstein or are you going to keep that a secret still? They'll go to commercial and I'll go to lunch. Amen. No. You can have faith for the best. Think about expansion, not what's necessary. Don't do what's cheapest, do what's best. Don't do what's the least expensive, do what's best. If you're building something, build something that inspires people when they ride by. Nobody wants to hear about what a great deal you got on, a, on your building that looks like a FEMA detention camp. Build a beautiful thing. Build something that inspires people. In your effort to save money, you're losing money. In your effort to be excellent, it attracts excellence to you. I see you running an excellent thing from now till when Jesus comes. I don't see you trying your best. I see you being the best in Jesus' name. You're going to be an example to your generation in Jesus' name. You're going to rise to the top in Jesus' name. So as they focus, where's the mic? As, as they focused on this, things began to multiply by not getting bogged down in the weeds, by keeping the vision alive. And since you have to do both more than me, you're a mother, you work the administration into the ministry, you're the one actually meeting with the city engineers, and then you preach, you do every, she does everything I do plus nine other things. I want you to speak to that before we pray for everybody what you have to add to what I'm saying for people that feel like we've felt in the past. I know I agree with everything you're saying, Jonathan. I can't do that though. I don't have help. I'm just a mother or whatever. And you were like that. And now you're not like that. So what, what could you add that will help people? Um, I think my biggest problem was that notion. Cause in, in the Puerto Rican household, the, the wife does everything. So you cook, you clean, and that's how you show your love. And so when I relinquished those things, I felt, um, 
like I wasn't doing what I should be doing. And I think like as a mother, you have that as well, that you're constantly like struggling with, I could be doing this, I could be dedicating more time. And I think you can really take this in business in every line of your life. You know, you're, you're constantly comparing other people. Um, you know, you're, you're constantly, uh, thinking to yourself, like uh, my marriage could be better. We could spend more time and my husband's always working. And, uh, you know, I never really get to see him. You could carry that kind of mentality, like in every element, every aspect of your life. And it'll, it'll hold you back from increase and from joy and uh you, so it's a it's a mentality thing and when it comes to increase increase means growing bigger and which means you have to start tapping into other resources other people have to come in and help you which was something that was difficult for me even now i have to kind of like no okay you can take it and 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 be aware that they might not do it the same way you do and they, they might, might do not worse do worse than you do as, as, as good as you, yeah. But uh, what would you rather have? It be better, but take... No, that's, no, no, I'm getting oh, my okay. notebook. Um, what would you rather? It be better, but it took your time? You know, the first time I see the covers of those books is when they're printed. I'm not a graphic designer, and preachers don't make good graphic designers. If the preacher chooses the cover, you can always tell because it's just fire. You can always tell when the preacher did the graphic design, come to Jonathan Shulsworth Revival. There's flames and the angriest picture of yourself you can... I can't figure out why I can't get anyone to come. I don't know. It looks like an invitation to be burned alive by a dictator. So why not, why not allow somebody that knows graphic design to choose? Then even if I don't like it, who cares? What do I know about women's clothes? What do I know about book design? What do I know about house design? Let a professional do it. If I don't like it, I'm not the one buying it. Can you say amen? amen. So you, you learn to relinquish and get comfortable that someone else is doing it. You might have liked it better, but at least it freed a week and a half up for you to concentrate on more important things. Amen. amen. And on the heels of what you were talking about with the busy work, I think that is what is the main enemy for anybody moving forward is you, you're, you're staying busy and busy work. All it is, it's, it's, you're constantly in motion and you're kept occupied, but you're not moving forward. And so you have to, by the spirit of God, discern what busy work is from effective work. And so there's a difference. Effective work draws you closer to that goal. And let me tell you, as a woman, as a Puerto Rican, as a procrastinator, I will do everything uh, outside of, of doing what I have to do to move forward because I don't want to do it. Like you could do uh, money matters, your taxes and all this kind of stuff. I will feed the hogs before I have to go and, and you know, uh, pay my taxes or have to sit down and uh, with, you know, reconcile accounts and all that stuff. I don't even have hogs and I will find some, but I will do something other than what I have to do. 
you know, but, but, and so that's what we do. We busy ourselves doing all of these works. Oh, the, the grass needs cut. Oh, the trim needs painted. And so all of these busy things will feel like you're in motion and you feel like you're, you're a swamped. I've got to pick up the kids from soccer practice and Billy from football. And, and then I got to take Liz to her dance recital. And so you, it feels like you're moving, but you're not moving. You're just, you know, uh, it, it's circulating. You're just going around in circles. And so discerning that, by the spirit of God will allow you to kind of like, uh, uh, detach from those things and, and come to, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 a plan it, you got to get a plan. What are these things that I'm going to do? Um, what, what do I need to, to do in, in this amount of time to fulfill this endeavor or whatever it is? And if what you're doing on a day to day basis, and, and that's another thing that I don't believe believers have, um, knowledge of it's everything you do on a day to day basis matters. So even if you're chipping away at that for five minutes, every single day, if you read your word for 20 minutes a day, that's it. 20 minutes every single day for 365 days, you will not be the same person. It's like that with everything else in your life with fitness. Nobody wants to get up at six 15 and work out. You, nobody wants to run. Nobody wants to do that. But if you tackle those little things, 15, 20 minutes every single day, you see at the end of the year, a great, uh, uh, increase in, in whatever that is. And so, you know, as believers, you have to understand the word of God is seed. Everything, everything about this is seed. There's a seed that you have to place in the ground and then there's a bountiful harvest and you start over again. Everything you do in life is a seed. And so if you feel stuck, do something different, lay better seed, you know? And so, so if you're not seeing uh, production, if you're not seeing fruitfulness, what is the seed that you're sowing? So it matters that you're sowing good seed every single day. Don't take a day and think like, oh, it's just, it's just Thursday, Friday. What day is it? Friday. It's Friday. It's, it's a day for me to relax. No, take advantage of the 24. We are all allotted 24 hours, but there's some people that take their 24 hours very seriously. And it, it shows after a year, after it, it's a compound effect. The more you do in the little bit, bit of, of time that we are allotted, you, a, a lot can, can manifest within a life a lifetime, you know? And so I see that, especially in the hood, everybody has the same 24 hours, but hoodie people, they go and watch judge Judy, they have lunch. And then they, you know, nothing is done. You just, it's busy. You're, you're busy doing nothing. But then there's some people that tap into production and it's in 24 hours, they're out producing a hundred people. And so we're called to be in that, in that space. And, uh, one thing that I've, I've recognized is the more you do, the more God will increase. And so I thought the more I do, the more burnt out I'll be, but that doesn't seem like the case at all, because I remember getting, uh, being married to, to, to Jonathan 2006. And if I didn't clock in at 12 hours of sleep at night, that was it. Like I was, I was like, I, I can't even sleep straight. I don't even want to eat. I'm so exhausted. 12 hours. I needed 12 hours of sleep. 
And now I can fully function on three, four hours, uh, uh, you know, a night. That doesn't phase me. But the more you do, the more God will increase. And then your capacity increases. And so you start little, but then you move in that direction forward. And then more is given to you. More is produced. And God trusts you with more. And it's just this beautiful cycle. So now I'm doing things that I never dreamt of. But it's because with the little that I did have. Like what? Doing things that you never dreamt of. Like what? Like ma- creating a, a, a church for Jesus. Building out a church. Like, engineering work and stuff. Yeah, like be, being a, a writer for the children's book, doing like speaking at events. Like it's just, I would have never in a million years thought well, that it, that was What she's be. saying is that thing that, that yeah, it's amazing. What she, what she said, where Jesus said, any tree that doesn't produce fruit, I'll cut it down. But any vine that does, I'll, I'll, or a tree, I'll prune it so it will become even more fruitful. That as you start producing fruit, I'm different. I used to need more sleep than her. You know, if you told me, you, you can see it when you're around, especially if you're in the ministry. Man, my pastor's gone. i got to preach three times this week. i do Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. There was a time I was like that. I'm preaching five times this month. Now I'm doing, you know, thir- uh, 12 times a week and not even feel it. Because, and it feels easier because the more you do it, the it's easy. There's so much more capacity. I'm not trying to sound like Tony Robbins, but there's so much more on the inside of you than what you realize. Yeah. All the things you think you could never do you true, but with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Go ahead. Um, and then it says in, in the word, when you were talking about like the fruit producing, the Amplified says uh, a more excellent fruit. And so it's not just about producing and that. like, pull, pull, I'll read it. Let me, let me find it. It's Luke 643 or what? Mm. The trees, Luke, Luke uh, 13. Okay. Uh, that I'll give it one more year, but I don't, I don't know about the one you're saying. Can somebody look that up in the Amplified? Because I don't, what is, what is DuckDuckGo? That's a search engine. Okay, I don't know what that is. So once you find it. Anyway, the, the Amplified says it like that. Like you're going to produce more excellent fruit. And so um, at times that pruning process means you got to cut back at the things that are holding you back from that growth. Um, and so what is that? What is the time wasters in your life? What is the, the, the things that are just, you're, you're busy doing nothing, you know, cut those things back. And at first it might be, it might stink because you feel like you've lost control, but really you're more in control. And, and, uh, so that's what I would say. Oh, John 15 too, amplified. There's one down there. If you scroll down. What is it? Amplified. What does it say? Oh, it's on the screen. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off and takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more fruit. What's the other? um, More and richer and more excellent fruit. Ah, there it is. Richer and more excellent fruit. That's powerful. Yeah. No, and, and that principle, it works both ways. The people that are doing the most have the most energy. Jesus said, if you give your life up for me, you'll find true life. 
<laughs> Jonathan, you're traveling all the time. You must be exhausted. No, I'm actually having a lot of fun. You haven't been exhausting to preach to. You've been fun to preach to. And then uh, 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 those that do more, more is given. You expend your energy, you get a harvest of energy back when you're doing it for the Lord. Then the people who are doing the least are the most tired. Your aunt that hasn't had a job since 1994, all her Facebook posts, exhausted. From what? Need a vacation. Your life is a vacation. People should go on vacation to live like you for a week. So tired. Of what? So the people doing nothing are tired. The people that are doing everything are like chipper. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. I, th I think that's great. So um, has this helped anybody today? Now, if you, uh, thank you. If you haven't, if you didn't hear yesterday and you combine it with this, I think it'll really help you, which is what I do have a great desire to see is the body of Christ. They, a lot of people, they're faith people. They believe God. They tithe. But these practical things, they just don't, there's no teaching on it. There's no, you have to like know someone and then they'll tell you over dinner. But I, the stuff that I would tell you at dinner, I'm telling you now. Jesus said, what I say to one, I say to all. These things were not said privately. So, and I hope Adonis and I have role modeled for you that you can have a great marriage and child that serves the Lord and, and, and be super productive. People say, how do you balance Family and ministry, just like this. I got her with me. She's with me. And, uh, you know, she'll be home next week because we have our vacation Bible school that she's been working on two months, and the church is very important. And Camila will probably go with her. But, you know, we can be five days apart without a divorce or without marriage problems. I'll be right back home, be home the whole next week, and then we make up for lost time. I want to encourage every husband to take your wife on a vacation. Well, that's easy. You know, I didn't say you have to take them to Disney. I didn't say you have to take them to, to Wynn Casino and Resort in Las Vegas and get a suite for 2200 a night. There's a lot of vacations you can take that don't, it's not the money spent. You know, one time, because Camila wanted to go to Disney, and it was a big deal for us to do it back then, we took our money, probably had about seven grand to our name, and we took five and flew to Florida and took her to Disney. Five grand with the food and everything. The day we were going to fly out, we were flying out of Tampa at nine o'clock at night. So we checked out of our hotel and went to a park in Tampa by the ocean. And I pushed her on the swings uh, for a while, slid down the sliding board, which if you slide down a sliding board in, in Tampa, Florida in the summertime, you need skin grafts when you're done, just so you know. I watched my thigh skin sizzling on the slide. S slid down the sliding board while my skin slid off. And... Uh, Talked, then I ordered pizzas on Uber Eats, and they brought them to the park, and we ate pizza and talked at the picnic tables. And Camila went, you know, today was my favorite day of the whole trip. Jeez, wish you'd have told me that $5,500 ago. And I realized something that day. Your family doesn't need a, 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 a location. They need you. And a vacation makes it where you're now forced to talk to each other. Drive in a car. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Allen at Pastor Rodney's church. I, I told him about Arizona and where I like to go because it's my, it's my favorite spot. He was driving up to Lake Powell and Page. It's a four-hour drive from where he was staying. You sit in the car with your wife for four hours. 
and you talk as you look at the mountains. And it's that kind of stuff that you need. That's not, yeah, it costs money, though. Number one, you don't have to spend that much. How much does it cost to go to a public lake and sit at a picnic table or whatever and take even a night or, or, or go two hours away from um, Memorial Day weekend? I couldn't um, get away because we were doing stuff that week. But Sunday, right after church, it was crystal blue sky, you know, which is a rarity in Pittsburgh. It's like the Seattle of the East Coast. It's in a river valley, all, always raining. So we're already dressed. I said, let's hop in the car. We drove to Cleveland. It's an hour and 40 minutes away. It's right on Lake Erie. And on a whim, I rented a boat the next day. And on Memorial Day, we all went out on a boat, had food catered in, and uh, sailed around and talked. Then we had dinner at night and had fun. That 24 hours we had together was like a seven. I know how to vacate. I know how to take a break very well. It was like a seven-day break in a day. And talked, drove back and talked, and had a great time. I want to encourage you. Invest in your business. How do you balance both? Invest in your family. I will do things when I get back from this next week that more than make up for the five days I'm away from my wife and daughter. And, and, and it's time. And you can be home all the time. And if you sit, if you sit in an easy chair with your eyes staring at ESPN for nine hours at a shot, like you're staring into the gate of heaven, and you don't say one word to your wife and one word to your children, though you're home. They don't have it. You being in the vicinity is not quality time. Quality time is quality time. So do something like that. Go to a, if you took your kid, I proved it. So you don't have to make my mistake. Take your kid to the park and push them on the swings and talk to them about school and what they're looking at on their iPad and the new uh, Disney crossy roads and what their record is and talk to them. Doesn't cost a lot of money to go to Dave and Buster's. Have your kid. Drive a fake car for a while and play video games while you sit with them and have a pizza with them. That kind of stuff. We were raised as men by a generation of men that had no clue how to be fathers and husbands. As a man, you were stoic and you didn't talk to your wife. She knows I love her. You know, I don't No, She doesn't. And being a man, do you know, I've lost track of the amount of sons that have, you know, I never heard my dad tell me he loved me one time. Not heathen. Preacher's kids. My dad never told me he loved me one time, you know. He's a good guy, but he, he just, that generation, they didn't hug. They didn't hug their own kids. You were a son and you hugged your dad. Hey, what's your problem? Go hug your mother. That has to end. Your kids should not have to go very long with you, look, out, you looking them in the eyes and saying, I love you. Just so you know, you're a blessing. Glad to have you with me on the road. You're a great kid. I love you. Glad to have you with me on the road. You've been a tremendous strength to me. Glad we're doing everything we're doing together. What did that take? Eight seconds and a broken knuckle? <laughs> Verbalize it. Amen. Amen. That way, when you get to your next level and you're taking in eight figures a year, you have your wife there and your kid to enjoy it with. Amen. And your daughter's not dating some guy that you have to use online fruit of the spirit to not break his jaw. <laughs> Say this out loud. The blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord makes, a makes a man rich and he addeth no sorrow. Addeth no sorrow. So it's not just a rich blessing. It's sorrow free blessing. The, the wicked get, get blessing, but then it's many sorrows 
are multiplied with it. But with the righteous, you get the money and you get to enjoy it with your wife and children and have no sorrow and sleep like a baby at night. That sorrow-free riches, that multiplied riches, sorrow-free, it is being loose to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to another level. Even if you don't want to, you sat here too long. You're going to another level in the name of Jesus. Your business is going to another level. Your ministry is going to another level. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. All right, I'm not going to hold you here as long as yesterday, but I do want to take at least two questions, one for me, one for Adalis, in line with what we spoke on today. If you have a boo-boo on your finger, I'll pray for it tonight. This was not a healing meeting. Go ahead, my friend in the back. If, do you have a mic for him? Or you, is, there a, is there a second mic? Based on what you were saying about the spending the money, I was always brought up with the saying, and people have heard me talk. My dad was very supportive. But... People are always stepping over dollars, he's always used to say, to save a dime. And that's kind of what you guys were doing with the shirts is you're trying to save a dollar or save a dime, but you've got these dollars you're stepping over. So that's a great one, line. Once you realize that, no, then you start, you know, then you start producing and, and getting very effective. So very good. Thanks for adding that. One other one I've been asked, wanting to ask for years. Is there something in the Bible that if somebody wants to give their life to Christ, like I've got three, three grandkids that I live with and my daughter and son, but when, when can they give their, are they grandfathered into a certain level that, hey, I didn't give my life, like my one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, are they going to go to heaven? I'll or? quote you what I heard Chuck Smith say as an answer to that, the founder of Calvary Chapel, and he is a wise man. He said, what happens to children that, that, uh, that die or the rapture happens while they're still very young, like you said, like a one-year-old. He said, if they're the children of the righteous, and he used supporting scriptures, we know for sure they go to heaven. And then, so they are grandfathered in to an age, they call it in theology, the age of accountability, till you reach a point where you know what you're doing and are willfully transgressing against God, which you're not doing at one year, year old or one and a half years old or two. And then uh, he said, if it's the children of the wicked, we don't know. But he said, where we don't know, we trust the nature of God that we know from the Bible. And he said his belief, and I would side with him because he's, he's no dummy. He said, I would believe that until they reach that age where they're making a decision to receive God or reject him, that, 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 that they, would, they would make heaven. Now, other people disagree because they'd say you're formed in sin, shaped in iniquity until you're born again. But I like Chuck Smith's answer better. That God's not just going to send every one and two-year-old to hell. If you, and if somebody disagrees online, knock yourself out and keep top typing in all caps. God bless you. <laughs> Next question. Go ahead, my friend in the, in the back here. How many got something out of today? And I'm glad you came. Thank what was the attendance this morning, Chloe? I broke 200 in the morning. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. Nothing that's going to impress Reinhard Bonnke, but it's a, it's a good thing. Go ahead. So um, the comment is that I love what you said about stop talking the expense or stop talking about the budget and stop, start talking about the vision or, you know, start talking about the dream and taking action. 
So I love that. So my question is, um, as a mom, so I happen to be a single mom, I'm currently doing a lot of things myself just because of that's the nature of where I am. How or do you have any suggestions or do you have someone who's on staff who's also doing it and they've had to figure out or they have a way of delegating this or bringing people in to help them? Um, I was homeschooling and working two jobs. Now I'm working two jobs and I'm getting ready to send my daughter to a private school. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working it out. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Thank you. So suggestions on how to um, stop doing everything or figuring out a way to delegate things. Um, I really <laughs> how ask that question again because I'm. Yep. And right now she has to do everything herself. How does she start moving towards what you basically? You know. I mean, yeah. Dallas was never a single mother, but essentially she was a single mother for right because I was gone. Yeah. There wouldn't have been much different between being a single mother and being you with me. Um, I was not much help till Camila was about right now. <laughs> so that's true. So I know it would be a little different, but she had no, she didn't have help that way. We weren't living near a family. So how does she go from where you were at to where you do have people helping you? I think that you have to, again, with the 24 hours in, in like view of this, um, you could do a lot within that 24 hours. So there's a lot of like times where moms will say, well, I'm, I'm at home and there's, um, not a lot I can do. There is, there is. And, and if you, if you break out of that mentality that you're stuck, then, then you can begin to pro progress, you know, progress in, in whatever it is that you're uh, endeavoring to do. Um, and believe God for the increase. Believe God that he's going to bring in the help that you need to structure your life the way you want it to go. And so I just think uh, you're doing it. So I, I don't, you know, to, to continue on doing what you're doing, you're, you're working. And then if you're not working, you're giving time to this, whatever it is. I don't know what you're doing on the side, but if you're, if you are working, doing your due diligence, obviously it's effective enough that you're now bringing your kid into a private school, you know, then, then while she's in, in school, take that time to do whatever you have to do. That's you bring point. in the hustle when she's out. You know what I mean? Right. So I w it's Uber and, and life insurance or health insurance, but it's the, I guess what I'm trying to say is as far as, because I don't believe that this is the end of what, like my vision is beyond doing sure. the insurance. So the insurance is in my mind, it's a vehicle. So yes. I did Uber so I could get my license for insurance. Now I'm doing insurance to go towards what I actually want to do. I like that. And so it's, it's in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how do you make the time or how do you structure, I guess is what it was. But let me tell you two things on that. Number one, what she said, if you're working a job, you do need to look at that salary as seed to go to the next thing like she's doing. You're not going to make, there's not jobs that pay $10 million unless you're a quarterback or a, or a number one pitcher. There's almost no salary jobs that are going to get you to a level where you're you're influencing things in the world. So to take your job where you're working and use it to start, take that salary to start funding, like we talked about yesterday, your six-day project, I like what you're doing. I would tell you this as a general answer. 
Because I can't tell you how to rearrange your time and stuff to make it happen, but I can tell you this. I guarantee you there was a time when you first had the idea to put your children in private school. It seemed like the most impossible thing. There's no way I could get that tuition money, and you did it. You put your faith out for it, and it came in. So faith, the same way you can put your faith out for God to destroy a tumor, and he will. Or put your faith out for a building or land. You can put your faith out for anything that's in the rails of Scripture, which are broad rails. So if you say, Lord, the same way it was impossible for me to have, to have private school tuition, and you made it happen by a miracle. I pray now that you show me the steps to take supernaturally to get from Uber and insurance to taking that money to launch the next step. And the same way you can't really explain how the private tuition money came in. Yeah, okay, I like how you're talking. How much a year? It's like, excuse me, it's like 13000 but that's before, like, the, the uniforms and everything. But I know he'll do it because he already told me. I'll send you fifteen this week for the school. <laughs> so that's done. Amen? So that Thank helps you. answer the question. Woo! <laughs> I know they say us. Well, good. Enjoy. I know that. One more question before we wrap up. Everyone's going to want to ask me what I now. Like, I need a car. Just believe in God for a house. Okay, two, two more and we'll call it a day. This lady and this, and this gentleman. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the lasagna, by the way. <laughs> Crystal got it. It was yesterday. It was the the. They had a beautiful charcuterie all done, and it was the most delicious oh, I, thing. As you sent it home with us, thanks thanks for eating it all, Garfield. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, uh, I've been in business with a partner, and it started out as God's business, and unfortunately, my partner has backslidden into. Um, well, he's backslidden. We'll leave it there. And um, I pray for him. <laughs> well, of his own self, yes. And, um, and so I'm in a place where, uh, because of his actions under the influence, he has done some things that have annihilated what I thought was my uh, life. And I'm in a place where I don't know if following the world's way, going through attorneys, fighting, um, and, and losing all peace. Is that the way to go? Or do we just stand in faith and just say, okay, thanks for showing me that being around you is a terrible idea. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to move forward. If, I mean, if you successfully litig if you did successful litigation, could you get back more than half a million dollars? No, probably not. Then it I probably cost me 100000 I want to do it because that money can come back quick. I know that's hard to say. If someone would have told me that 10 years ago, it would have made me angry. Listen, buddy, I got like $800 in the bank. They'll tell me 100000 but I'm telling you, God will give you another idea. And I think the reason I'm answering that way is I could, you can tell by people how people ask the question how the Lord's already spoken to them. So the fact that you already had the insight, like, is it worth losing my peace? I feel like that was the Lord. And I'm not someone who believes that way. They're like, oh, just let them run off with your money. But in this case, yeah, it probably would. If it's going to shorten your life by six years with the stress, I'd let it go. 
If it's going to shorten your life by six years, but you get 20 million, I'd go after the 20 million. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'd let it go. And then I wouldn't just let it go. Eh, no, I would stand on the word. Now, Lord, the devil did that through that person. And you said the thief has to refund seven times. And I thank you that it's going to come back and I'd get it that way. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And I can him. tell it's the right answer because it made you smile. Yeah. See that? It, whatever, get, always follow your peace. And that gives you peace. All right. One more question. We'll call it a day. One second for the mic. Have you been able to buy your own home now? I've not bought my own home yet. But it's, it's not like I don't. I, I mean, there's a lot of things. And you can do both at the same time. But uh, I was ready to buy a plane because I thought we'd be in our building for five years minimum. And uh, what was it? Then we outgrew it in four months. So the money I had set aside for a, an airplane, you know, the church and the church building is the, is the priority. And then same, I just, I haven't had time. It's like I'm not in Dallas right now wishing I had a home in Pittsburgh. I'm here. What difference would it make? I will do it. I just haven't done it yet. You will have your home before the end of this year. Amen. All right, I received that. Thank you. And, and just so you know, I live in a, con I'm not, not like in a state park <laughs> being stabbed by meth addicts every night with my money stolen. Sitting on your feet, everybody. Were you blessed today? Yeah. Adonis, don't abandon me. Well, tonight, 7 o'clock is going to be our Holy Ghost blowout service. I love you, Pastor Sandy and Pastor George. Very proud of all you've done in Houston. This, this couple was one of three churches that remained open in Houston, Texas during the COVID lockdown. And you're yet to taste your reward from heaven for doing that. It's on its way. Amen? All right, I'm going to have my wife... Say a prayer of dismissal, and I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. I love you, Dallas. I love you, too. I'm going with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless everyone here. Let this year be the best year they've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.